Welcome to Jewelry Navigator, the podcast where I share informative gem and jewelry tips guiding you to be informed jewelry shoppers and collectors. I'm your host, Brenna Pakes, graduate gemologist with a degree in geology. You could say I'm somewhat obsessed with rocks, gems, and jewelry, as I believe they are truly wonderful and worthy of their own podcast. In preparation for departure, please be sure whatever audio device you're listening on is switched off of airplane mode and prepare for on-time gem arrivals. Hi, Sherry. I'm so happy to have you here with me today. And for those of you listening, I'm visiting with Sherry Taylor. She's a graduate gemologist and registered master valuer. She is a practicing jewelry appraiser, and one of her passions is helping people understand what they have in their current and future collections. So I'm going to hand the mic over to you, Sherry, and tell us a little bit about how you got started in gemology and what you're doing now. Yeah. Hi, Brenna. Thank you so much for having me. It's it's a pleasure to be on this podcast. As you know, I've been listening to you for a while now. Thank you. Um, so- I grew up in Ontario, Canada, and that is where I currently live now. Um, And my parents are not in the business, in the jewelry business. Uh, And so a question I get from clients all the time is, how did you get started in this industry? And it's actually an interesting story. So my parents, um, they would watch often our local shopping network. And as you know, they often feature jewelry. And on our particular channel, they had a graduate gemologist And she would talk about the gemstones that she was brought on as an expert to discuss the qualities of the gemstones and where they came from. And I just became fascinated by all the details and all the information that I became addicted to learning about gemstones. And she would also talk about where she went to school, how she studied for gemology. And so by the time I turned 15, 16, I had contacted the Gemological Institute, ordered all the educational catalogs, and made a decision that that is what I wanted to do for a living. So fast forward, I did end up studying on campus at the GIA in Carlsbad, California, and then went on to work in the jewelry industry, studying appraisal science and valuation science and how to serve clients through uh, estate appraisals and the appraisals for various different valuation structures. And as I was working in the industry, I realized uh, that there was a request from clients calling the businesses that I was working for. Um, for consultation style services. They didn't want to wait the three to 10 business days and be without their jewelry pieces for that period of time. And they were really looking for someone to converse with during that process. And so in 2018, I started my own company, S. Taylor Jewelry Appraisal and Consultation, uh, to provide appraisal service with what I call luxury appraisal service. Okay, good. What separates something from a luxury item, say, from um, something else? And I think this is really important to help people understand because a lot of jewelry that's handed down, it may or may not be costume. And the quality and workmanship of costume jewelry was fairly exceptional back in the back in the day until, you know, modern times. So sometimes it's really hard to tell the difference between something that's costume or fashion jewelry versus something that is a fine jewelry item or luxury. So can you give us a little bit, just touch on that and then we'll roll into a little bit more about your specialty and 
why this part of your appraisal services has become so important to you. Yeah, absolutely. So in the in the luxury, um, in, when I call it luxury appraisal service, what I'm meaning is essentially um, an elevated level of appraisal service. Because as, as you mentioned, costume jewelry, I do work with clients to sort through those collections where there are pieces that they are not certain if they're costume or if they're fine jewelry. Not everybody's able to make that distinction. But the opportunity to sit down with a professional in person and be able to go through all of those pieces is really valuable to people and clients and really appreciative of that process. And so that is where I have sort of coined it luxury appraisal service because it is not a, at least in my part of Canada, it isn't a common um, a common practice for appraisers to sit down directly with their clients and sort through their collections like that. But you, you are correct. And, and it is important to note that some of those costume jewelry pieces from the past, uh, they were very well made, especially with the Sherman pieces that we see. They're highly collectible and can reach quite a bit of value. So clients being able to know that those pieces aren't just throwaway costume jewelry pieces is important and that all of that can be done during the consultation sorting process. Right, right. And I always like to impress upon everyone listening, it's so important to make sure you're working with qualified professionals. So in our case, we're graduate gemologists and we were trained to be able to identify natural gemstones versus something that is a simulant or something that is... I guess you could say impersonating or um, in its place or something that is a, a lower cost substitution. That's a better word for it. So a substitute for a natural gemstone because it is a lot less expensive. And to be able to go into a jewelry store and know that someone there is going to be say, can, can look at it. And the important part of this is testing with the proper equipment and knowing how to read those results it's truly important to seek out professionals who've had the training so that you can start from a point of professional ad advisement. Absolutely. They have the training and they also have continued that training over the course of their career um, because things have changed, um, as you know, quite a bit in the, even just the last couple of years. And so, uh, you know, really choosing your appraiser and looking at the courses that they've taken recently. Um, I print out a bio for all of my clients uh, that's included with their appraisal uh, that will show sort of my process and and what I've done recently to update myself in the industry. Uh, so it's very important, as you say. Right, exactly. So you and I talked a few days ago and I zeroed in on what want to say your superpower is or what your specialty is. And I love that you have really zeroed in on educating your clients on what they have, just like what we're talking about. And can you tell us a little bit about, about that and your, um, your passion for helping people to preserve their heirlooms and the little extra something that you add to your appraisal file for, for your clients. So in providing consultation style services, what I was noticing is as I was examining the piece, you know, you're social, you're speaking with your clients and they're sharing stories with me as I'm going through the appraisal process, examining their piece. And they're telling me stories about their family members that previously owned it or when they received the piece. And so it got me thinking you know, why, why don't we write 
a little note like that on the appraisal. You know, if this belonged to a great aunt and it was given to her for her, let's say, 20th wedding anniversary, and now it has been passed down to you. So little notes that we can put on the appraisal, like originally belonged to, and then the name of the person, or given for a special occasion, like a 50th or 25th anniversary. Uh, it really got me thinking, you know, an appraisal is so much more than just evaluation and the gemological story and the design story. Um, it is a record of that piece of jewelry and adding these little details can really help the legacy of the piece and the family members to live on and make the difference um, for that piece becoming a future heirloom or continuing on the journey of being an heirloom. Nice. I, I love that. I love that you do that. And I don't know that that's a common practice, but I think it's something that we as appraisers should visit because sometimes the appraisal process can seem very sterile. You know, it's you're examining something and it's very factual, it's very scientific, but we often forget to add in that emotional part of the story, which is why jewelry is so important. It's the sentiment, it's the stories behind each piece. Just like you said, someone may have received something for a special lifetime, you know, achievement or something, a, a special anniversary or a special occasion. You know, maybe a husband returned home from war and he brought his wife home something beautiful. And if you don't know that part of the story, it's um it's part of the beauty of each jewelry item. It really is very beautiful. And I figured they're sharing these stories with me anyways. And my clients and, and most of us are very busy. And so we don't necessarily have time to go through our jewelry collection and make our own notes about every piece that we own. So why not, you know, how can I help them, you know, facilitate that? And, and if adding little notes on the appraisal in the comment section will help them to keep a record of, of their pieces and what they mean to the family, then I, then I think it's a great idea. Right. That's wonderful. I, when I relaunched the podcast, I gave it some thought and I really felt like using a theme that is an overarching umbrella for a lot of the topics that I'll be talking about through the year. And that is trends and traditions. And you touched on something that I feel is a really good tool to use for clients and consumers and even retailers so that once they get to know their customers, they know what their customers like and what they're looking for, especially if they enjoy estate pieces. So starting from a point and a perspective of knowing how to curate a collection, whether it's something that's going to be continued on and something that someone enjoys from, say, a, a young woman just starting her collection, understanding the style that they want to emulate or pieces that they want to collect and grow on that, or whether it's um, current collections that are part of, you know, a, a something that grew and was collected for a lifetime. And maybe it's it's an older couple who they just want to make sure that the items are distributed evenly or they have a specific grandchild or niece or family member that they want to gift that item to. Talk to us a little bit about how we can guide our clients or 
Um, do you offer that as a service? And I think a lot of what you're doing kind of helps people get that wheel turning and and create some great ideas for them to um, narrow in on something that can grow as a collection. Absolutely. Collection documentation is, is so beautiful. And um, a lot of clients will visit, uh, you know, when they're starting to think of planning their estate, perhaps they've just completed their, their will um, with their lawyer. And, you know, they're starting to go through their belongings, their collection, their fine jewelry specifically, and start to think, you know, I would really love for other family members to, uh, to enjoy this when I'm gone someday. Um, and so they will come and, and have the appraisal process completed so that they can begin the process of sort of figuring out who may enjoy this piece. Um, and, and a lot of clients are actually giving it away you know, ahead, you know, perhaps if they don't wear something, um, at the moment, then they, they give it away sort of to a granddaughter or to, to a niece, which is really beautiful. And they like to gift it with an appraisal mm-hmm. outside of the collection documentation. Um, I really like to call it, um, collection planning, um, as you and I have talked about before, rather than, uh, than the estate planning, because when we call it collection planning, we get into the spirit of giving and we all feel really good when we are in the spirit of giving. Um, it's one of the reasons why we really enjoy holidays like Christmas. It just gives us happiness to see others receiving. And so if we, if we look at it from the perspective of, of that we are planning to gift something to somebody, um, then it's easier to be able to plan, do that collection planning process. And it can be actually very enjoyable. Um, you had mentioned, uh, women who curate their own collections. And I think in that case, if, if you're a woman who is curating their own, your own jewelry collection, um, you know, start wherever you are at right now, start where you're at. You can appraise certain, um, you know, you can go to your appraiser and you can appraise, you know, a piece a month until your collection is completed. Um, but starting that documentation process now, will really, really help you, especially if you love and appreciate the pieces that you have purchased for yourself. It will help your legacy and the fine jewelry itself to um, to live on and also protect the condition because obviously we're going to be checking the condition every time updates are completed with the appraisal itself. Um, so make sure that the integrity of the setting and everything else is going to, to also last for you. Right. Right. That's another really important point and reason to have jewelry appraised is that it's very thoroughly examined. And as an appraiser, we should be informing the client of the condition of the item, whether it's a prong or a claw that is really wearing thin, or it's just something that is worn out. And that's one of the most difficult things to report to a client and they're just crushed. But I think we forget that jewelry does wear out if it's worn every day for 50, 60, 70 years, it's going to wear out. So to give it new life or give them ideas where they can remake it into something else, for instance, a ring, something that doesn't get worn on a, on a regular basis or reset the stones in something and repurpose the metal within that new piece. So it's, um, it's a really beneficial part of our jewelry ownership and care, taking care of our pieces. Absolutely. And it's so satisfying when working with a piece and you, and I know, I noticed you probably find this too, Brenna, when you notice a claw's broken or a stone's loose and you, you actually are able to tell the client, you know what, you really need to get this repaired. This isn't in wearable condition. And they're able to do that and, and save 
the diamond from falling out or that gemstone from falling out, um, it, it, it's very satisfying. <laughs> yes, it is. It is. And once again, this is, this is the reason why I really want to encourage people to work with professionals who have their clients' best interests in mind. So sometimes it's kind of hard to find that out. And if, if you, if you're not sure, I think a good way to do that is just by, um, researching their reputation, whether or not they have good reviews on the different social media review platforms. But anyway, we can get into that. And that's a whole other topic. So Sherry, where do you meet your clients? And do you have some flexibility with working with them? For instance, if someone's not comfortable or even not able to leave their home, do you meet people where they are? My appraisal lab is located in Burlington, Ontario, Canada, um, and it is a, uh, a full laboratory with gemological equipment. I do also have a, a travel lab, so equipment that I'm able to bring off site. Um, and this is part of the luxury appraisal service experience. Um, with, when working with large collections like I do, I've worked with collections anywhere from from, you know, let's say 10 pieces to 150 pieces. It's not always easy, as you say, for clients to, uh, you know, uplift all of that jewelry, pack it properly and and remove it for appraisal service. And so, uh, and also just financially, it may not be smart to remove it from its place of safekeeping. And so I, I do travel to, uh, to banks, um, on behalf of, of my clients to complete appraisal examinations. Um, I also will go to the home and set up the mobile lab there as well for them if that makes them more comfortable. And in those cases, what happens is the appraisal examination itself and all of the testing and gemological tests necessary measurements are taken at that time. And then, it, you know, depending on the size of the, of the collection, it may take a number of visits for that to be completed. And then the paperwork is, is processed and completed following that. So usually a turnaround time for a large collection like that uh, might be a couple of weeks, um, three to five business days for a smaller collection. Um, but uh, because as you know, especially working with antique and vintage pieces, there may be some research involved for price comparison and also, uh, you know, date of manufacturing and things like that. So, um, but yes, absolutely. Offsite services are possible within a certain area. Okay. Wonderful. And I would think that a majority of appraisers probably do offer that, but if they don't, I know that a lot of them will go to a retailer or they they have frequent events, appraisal events once or twice a month. So for those of you who are interested in learning more about having your jewelry and your collections appraised, certainly reach out to your local jewelers and find out who does their appraisers if they're a graduate gemologist and if you can find out a little bit more about their history and their training that's helpful or just stop in and and talk to the appraiser get an idea of um, who they are and how, how you would work together you are writing a book uh, along these lines that I feel would be really helpful and informative to people who might not know where to start, but to get a better idea of what their heirlooms are. So tell us a little bit about the book that you're writing and when it's going to come out. Yeah, so the book is called Becoming an Heirloom. And it was inspired by uh, just my visits with my clients and working with a lot of estates. 
And as we were speaking of earlier, the stories that come up when you're speaking with the collection, but one particular client that inspired this, uh, this book for me, uh, we were going through her collection. She had beautiful examples of Victorian era art deco era pieces, and she loved the jewelry, but she didn't feel an emotional connection to it. She didn't know the story behind it. She didn't know which family members it belonged to. She was just simply given to it um, in an inheritance. And so she didn't feel connected to the jewelry. And so she really had a longing and an interest to know and find out and a wish to, to go back and, and find out where this jewelry belonged and who it belonged to and the story behind it. And so, uh, and I see this time and time again with uh, a number of clients. And so I really thought, well, how can I how can I help people to, to do this? And so this book is meant to be a guide um, for people who are, as you say, curating their own collections and how they can ensure that that the stories and, and the sentiment and the details don't go get lost um, along the way. Um, or it can be some for somebody who has just in, inherited a jewelry collection and where they can begin um, in documenting those pieces along their journey. That's wonderful. I can't wait to see it and read it because I think even as appraisers and professionals ourselves, we could gain a lot of insight in how we can help people, whether we work in a retail jewelry store or we work independently. I think that the points that you're going to cover in your book are going to be helpful not only for consumers and your clients, uh, but also to people who are working in the profession. So so glad that you thought to compile that into a book. And I'm sure it's really going to be a valuable resource for a lot of us. Thank you. So I'm, I'm expecting and hoping for it to be out um, by September this year. So, uh, so yeah, fingers crossed. <laughs> great. Well, it'll make a great Christmas gift for sure. Absolutely. Is there anything else you'd like to add that we didn't touch on? Well, jewelry it has the ability to outlive us for many lifetimes. And so if well, care, well cared for, properly maintained and repaired, you know, our legacy can live on through the fine jewelry that we have purchased for ourselves or that we have been gifted for a sentimental occasion. Um, and that memory can carry on long after we, we have been here. Um, and so this process of documentation and preserving your jewelry heirlooms is really important. And uh, I, I'm happy that we were able to discuss this today. Me too. Me too. And one thing came to thought as you were mentioning those those important factors about how jewelry can outlive us. When we spoke about a week ago, you shared with me that unfortunately, a lot of people not knowing what they have, these beautiful Victorian and Art Deco pieces that are often constructed in platinum and diamonds, and a lot of them are old cut diamonds, they have no idea what they have. So often they will scrap them for just the scrap value, not really understanding, or it will get into the hands of an estate dealer and it ends up being scrapped for whatever, you know, whatever happens. But even though they don't want to hold on to it for their purposes or their their collections, consider donating it or selling it to a jewelry store who does have a fine estate collection and they respect it and they understand the value of it. I like to call them endangered pieces because it, yes. it is the craftsmanship and the and the material and the workmanship is is not comparable to a you know current day in a in a lot of ways. So 
Well, thank you so much for being my guest today, Sherry. I, you shared a lot of really important information. I think some a lot of helpful ideas and insights to how people can preserve their current day collections and into their family's futures for heirlooms. Thank you, Brenna, so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure and uh, I love what you're doing with the podcast. Thank you so much, Sherry. Hey there, I hesitated to do an introduction because I'm recovering from laryngitis, but I just wanted to pop on and thank you so much for joining me. I'm hoping next time you hear me, I'll sound much better, but I hope you enjoyed my visit with Sherry. She is a wealth of knowledge and you can find her at S. Taylor Jewelry and that's spelled J-E-W-E-L-L-E-R-Y dot com. And join me next week as we continue with Trends and Traditions with Tanya Canfield, who is the founder of Treasures, a solution to having your hands at lots of fine jewelry at the fraction of a cost by borrowing it. So stay tuned for next week with my visit with Tanya Canfield of Treasures. And thank you so much for joining in. Make sure you subscribe to Jewelry Navigator Podcast wherever you listen to your favorite audio platform. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.